Welcome into the Chiefs Zone. Farzine Vasugin here with you as we get ready for the weekend. Red Friday. I know what we just incurred. Not fun. But look, as Andy Reid said earlier this week, he's moved on from that game. And that's all you can do. These losses have happened to a lot of teams. Not necessarily that exact script, but it's happened before. Heartbreaking losses. It's not the first time it's happened in Kansas City, and it sure won't be the last time, given that it is Kansas City sports. I mean, let's face it. We, we've all been there before. We've seen the ups and downs of this franchise. Uh, every team goes through that. Every team. There's not one NFL team or one pro sports franchise or even a college p- program. There's not a sports team out there that has never came across a heartbreaking loss before. It's happened before, whether it's a comeback or just a really bad turnover in the end. It's happened before. And the Chiefs, all you can do is put it in the rearview mirror, move forward to Monday Night Football. And look, you've got to think about Monday Night Football now because that is going to be a tough game. And regardless who the opponent is, the Green Bay Packers making it even a bigger opponent, anytime you visit a team on primetime, it's a hostile crowd. I mean, even if you're 0-4, 0-5, 0-6, that home crowd is really into it. They want to get behind their team on primetime football because they know a lot of people are tuning in. Monday Night Football is such a huge program, as well as Sunday and Thursday night, that a lot of people are watching, and they want to represent a good home crowd and, and get behind the team, so that way the team can feed off the crowd. So this is going to be a huge game for the Kansas City Chiefs, and we will discuss it later in the show. We'll preview the game between the Chiefs and the Packers. Just a, histor- a really storied history between the two. Of course, Monday night, or pardon me, the uh, uh, first ever Super Bowl, the two teams faced each other. Packers prevailed in that one. Vince Lombardi had some had some comments that the AFL and the Chiefs weren't too happy about. Just a, a really fun story to go back and look look at. It, by the way, if you guys haven't, there are books, DVDs, documentaries, even online that you can read about. If those, if some of you guys aren't familiar with the history, especially a guy like me who who was young and didn't know and had to read up on some of these to learn what happened. I, I suggested the way the AFL just kind of unfolded and became a part of the NFL in the merger in 1970. It's huge. And the Chiefs had a huge hand in it, of course, because of Lamar Hunt and uh, what he did when he founded the Texans, eventually the Chiefs here in Kansas City. And of course, uh, that Super Bowl win over the Vikings. It gave the Chiefs and the AFL some leverage. Uh, the NFL said, hey, look, uh, the, the, these guys aren't aren't a joke. So uh, the Chiefs did make the AFL be taken seriously and become part of the NFL. So it's, it's a fun thing to look back. I loved what they did uh, in 2009 for the 50-year anniversary. They had teams uh, suit up wearing the uh, uniforms that they had 50 years ago in which the Chiefs had the Dallas Texans uniforms, which is funny because I remember the outrage. Some fans did not know about this, and then when the Chiefs wore the Dallas Texans and had Texas on their helmets, the outrage was crazy and look I know today social media is bigger so maybe some fans would have known about it but because how big social media is I'm wondering uh how big of a backlash the Chiefs would have received because the Chiefs were playing the Cowboys that's not the time where you want to put Texas on your helmet but anyone who who follows the story understands why that was such a special game to uh, have both teams wear the old uniforms the Texans and the Cowboys 
Uh, so uh, definitely a fun story to look back at. And then the Chiefs and the Packers also have a unique story of their own. Hey, very unique stat uh, I-, I read about on uh, the Chiefs' website. The Chiefs have never lost at Lambeau Field. And a lot of Chiefs fans are skeptical going into this game. And I think it's because of what just recently happened. And I get it. And I think Chiefs fans need to give it a chance. You never know sometimes. Look, sports fans and just people in general, even with with politics or, or news, hard news, people are fans of patterns and things that that repeat historically. So if you are one of those people who who like patterns or believe in them and think that something's going to happen just because it's been consistent historically, well, maybe you're going to be in for a, a fun game here. Another thing to note, Aaron Rodgers has not thrown an interception at Lambeau Field since December the 2nd of 2012 against the Minnesota Vikings. That's the last time Rodgers threw an INT at home. Maybe his luck changes because he hasn't had a lot of luck against the Chiefs. Uh, of course, we all remember, I, I mentioned the Chiefs and Packers. They've, they've got a really interesting history. Uh, the most recent game the two teams played, that is when the Chiefs handed Green Bay its first loss of the season shortly after benching Tyler Balco and firing Herm, pardon me, not Herm Edwards, uh, Todd Haley, who is now the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was a huge moment because that really just brought a lot of optimism after a really bad season for the Chiefs. So, and also 2003, I think another memorable game. Of course, both teams were 4-0, and and the Chiefs came, I think, down by 17. Dante Hall didn't get a touchdown after doing so for four straight games, but in overtime, uh, the the uh, massive turnovers from both, uh, just exchanging uh, footballs, and then the uh, uh, nice toss from Trent Green to Eddie Kennison to win the game and seal the deal there to go 5-0, and eventually 9-0. and uh, 2007 was also unique because when the Chiefs were 4-3 and leading the AFC West in 07, uh, Green Bay... Gets a win here at in Kansas City. That was, by the way, Brett Favre's last year with the team, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, just going off the top of my head, I, I, yeah, I think 07 was his last year with the Packers. And for some reason, that was just the start of really the uh, the down years for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, nine straight games eventually turned into 12 straight losses for the Chiefs, and it all started with that Packers game. So. The Chiefs and the Packers really do have an, an, an interesting story. I guess I, I guess you could consider it a non-conference rivalry with everything the two teams have had going back to date. So you never know. I, I think if, if I if I can convince anyone who's a fan of patterns and history, if I can convince you to at least give this a chance, just consider the fact that Chiefs have never lost at Green Bay before. Maybe the Chiefs have something going for them. Going in this game. And look, having that 10-day break, actually an 11-day because it's on a Sunday game. I forgot about it. It's a Monday Monday Night Football. How could I forget? An 11-day break. That is, It's like you have a second, well, it's your first bye week, but you'll get another bye week. It's like you have two bye weeks in the season. So that is huge for Kansas City. And we all know how good Andy Reid is coming off a bye. He's only lost once after a bye week. Now, again, this is not really an officially a bye week. It was a short week at the beginning, but then it turns into a long week. So Andy Reid knows how to prepare his teams, whether it's, it was with the Eagles or the Chiefs, coming off a long break. 
When we come back, Bob Fesco from 610 Sports Radio joins us to talk about the game between the Chiefs and the Packers, but also look back a little bit at what happened between the Chiefs and the Broncos. What does Bob Fesco think? Where does he stand on all this? What does he think about that most recent game? And then looking ahead for the Chiefs. We talk to him next here on the Chiefs Zone. Welcome back into the Chiefs Zone. We are joined right now by Bob Fesco from 610 Sports Radio. Hear him weekdays in the morning, 6 to 10 a.m. And anytime the Chiefs play on a Sunday, two hours before Chiefs games on the 610 pregame show, Bob Fesco from 610 Sports Radio. Bob, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us. How are you? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you coming on. Look, I wish we were here talking about a 2-0 start after a big division win against the Broncos, finally beating the Broncos, but that didn't happen. And not only did the Chiefs lose that game, it hurt. That was just a tough loss to take in. 1-1 on the season. How do you feel with the most recent game the Chiefs incurred? No, it was a you know it was a terrible loss. I mean, we were talking to Dick Vermeil this morning, and he used the term disaster to kind of sum up this you know game for the Chiefs. And they were the better team on Thursday night, and that's really the sad part. They were the better team. They were the better team. They were the better team, and they still lost that football game, even with all the turnovers that they had, even with the penalties that they had. They still had an opportunity to win this game, and they did not win this game. And that's the sad part about it because. They should have won this football game. And, and I put it all, you know, 95% of it I put on the coach and another 5% I put on the execution of the players because ultimately at the end of the day, you do have to go out there and execute if you're a player. But the job of a coach is to put you in position to be successful. And I don't believe Andy Reid did that uh, to a good enough job of doing that, I should say, on Thursday uh, evening against the Broncos. You know, that's, that's an issue with Andy Reid. He was, quote-unquote, negligent last year after the season opener against the Titans. Look, people here love Andy Reid and what he's done to turn this franchise around, but the biggest flaw with him is the play calling, which he's admitted to, but it's still consistently an issue. Yeah, it really is. And I, I think part of the problem is ego gets in the way. And Andy gave up, you know, the... Oh, the, the personnel side of things and whatnot, and you know he really likes to call plays. But I think it's too difficult to be head coach and call plays. And I think the less you have on your plate when you're a head coach, the better head football coach you can be. And he's got a good staff of people around him. You mentioned Doug Peterson, but but they also have Brad Childress, who's been on the staff, who's been a head coach, who's been an offensive coordinator that understands what he needs to do to call plays, to have success. There's so much going on on the field, and I think it's just too much for a head coach to go out there and try to play after play after play because it's not just the current play you're thinking about. You've always got to be two or three plays ahead. And, you know, talking with Al Saunders, the former offensive coordinator for the Chiefs and Rams and, and has done a lot of good things in the Super Bowl ring with the Rams, you know, I've asked him a lot of times about calling plays, and he always says you have to stay one or two plays ahead. It's not like Madden where you just dial up the play because you have to understand, all right, what, what are the scenarios here? If this happens, then this is where we need to go. If that happens, then this is where we need to go. And I think at times you can see Andy Reid totally not making any sense when he's calling the plays, like first and goal from the two-yard line, and they throw three passes. You've got Jeremy Macklin trying to throw a pass to Alex Smith. You've got yeah. inside the you know two and a half minutes to go in the, the first half, and, and Broncos have no timeouts, and you start throwing it all around the yard, and it leads to an interception. So – 
I think ultimately at the end of the day, we praised Andy Reid and rightfully so for his performance against the Houston Texans in calling plays. He needs to be held accountable for when it doesn't work, like on Thursday night. I think from my point of view, and I think I echo a lot of the sentiments from Chiefs fans, that was very uncharacteristic of the Kansas City Chiefs, especially ever since Andy Reid and Alex Smith got here. The Chiefs are really one of the better football teams in the National Football League when it comes to turnovers and, and just taking care of the football. That was very uncharacteristic like of Alex Smith to to do what he did in that football game. And same with Jamal Charles. I know Jamal's fumbled here and there quite a bit, but he's kind of made us forgot about it because of his performance. But Thursday night was a different story, and it was just hard to fathom. Yeah, and, and I think that, that again goes back to Andy Reid putting those guys in position to, to make the plays. I think, you know, Jamal was obviously trying to break one there at the end. I, I really can't fault him. You know, for that, I really can't fault Andy Reid for, for that play call there at the end. Try to win the game. I mean, you know, Peyton Manning was playing really good football at that point in time, and you wanted to deliver a knockout blow because going to overtime wouldn't have benefited you at all. So I think that was the right move there. It just didn't turn out to be the right play because Jamal Charles fumbled the football. But having, you know, uh, Alex Smith throw the football with two and a half minutes to go in the first half against the Denver Broncos defense that has no timeouts left, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Bob Fesco from Six Sense Sports Radio here with us on the Chiefs zone. Uh, Bob, obviously Chiefs fans, uh, this is still hard to take in, but, you know, what happened happened. Uh, the other thing is, obviously it's a divisional game, which the Chiefs have not had a lot of luck in the past few years. A lot of people are saying that this, even though it's early, that this could still decide who wins the AFC West and who ends up with the wild card if that team ends up getting a wild card. Do you feel like this game uh, will, will ultimately decide down the road who wins the AFC West? Well, I hope that this doesn't affect it, but it's hard not to think in the back of your mind that come December we could be looking at this game as the reason why the Chiefs are in or out of the playoffs. And it could be the difference between being 10-6 and six and 9-7 and seven, or the difference between being 11-5 and five and winning the division and being 10-6 and six and just getting a wild card berth. I, you know, I think that's ultimately what this game could determine. Now, you now have to go find a game to win that you shouldn't win, and that begins on Monday night up in Green Bay. That's the game that nobody's picking the Kansas City Chiefs to win. So they've got to go find a way to steal a game. And they've got to do it with one less home game than everybody else this year because Clark Hunt is greedy and decided to give up a home game for London as opposed to what's best for his football team. So you only have six home games left, only six more times inside Arrowhead Stadium to use the fans to your advantage to try to go win a football game. So now you've got other things playing against you that didn't have to be playing against you, but since you blew that game on Thursday night, now you have to feel like you're behind the eight ball a little bit. I know it's hard to look at positives right now after a loss like that, but the defense has, has really been incredible for the Chiefs uh, ever since the beginning of 2014. Uh, the defense has done everything, really, to put the team in position. I, I don't know of a game where the defense had a really horrible game, uh, but this year I, I think one guy who a lot of people are highlighting is Marcus Peters, the guy drafted in the first round. Uh, you know, great cornerback, especially taking the role even higher because Sean Smith is gone, and he's really stepped up. And quite honestly, he's, he's made this defense more fun to watch. Yeah, he really has. And I, I like the way that this team is playing right now on, on defense. I think it's a top-five defense. I, I thought this defense at the beginning of the year was going to be a dynamic defense, and, and they're showing that they can be a very dynamic defense out there. I mean, you've got a pass rusher in Justin Houston who's insane. You've got Jay Howard now to pair in the middle with Dontari Poe. That's a nice one-two punch. And you need that on the defensive line if you're going to have a contending team. You've got Marcus Peters. You mentioned him. I mean, my goodness, 
how good has this guy been already in just two games for the Chiefs? Eric Berry's coming back. Eventually you'll get Sean Smith back. Derek Johnson just continues to go out there and make tackle after tackle after tackle. So I love this defense. I think this defense is going to be a reason why the Chiefs have a successful season. I just think they need to pick it up on offense. And if they don't make you know simple mistakes and shoot themselves in the foot, then you're going to have the opportunity to win a lot of football games. Bob, I know you mentioned this on your show a couple of times, uh, just the criticism surrounding uh, tackle Eric Fisher right now, the guy who was taken number one overall a couple of years ago. And I get that was a bad draft, but you know, still, uh, as a guy who was taken in the first round at least, uh, you still want some good production, which the Chiefs haven't had. And now we're at the point where he's unable to play because of injury. He's, you know, been saying, at least according to reports, that he doesn't want to face J.J. Watt. And then you think of the Broncos, well, they've got a couple of really good pass rushers. So what do you want to play against them even? What's your stance on Eric Fisher? Well, I think with Eric Fisher, I don't need to see him anymore. I, I'm, I'm done watching Eric Fisher play. The The vibe around the organization with Eric Fisher is not a good one. There's not too many people inside that organization right now that really are going to bat for Eric Fisher, and that's because he's not really going to bat for anybody else you know, inside that locker room. If you're going to be a teammate in the NFL, you don't opt out of week one because you don't like the opponent that you're going up against. And the Chiefs can deny that all they want, but that's exactly what happened in that football game. There are too many good reporters with the information that have told us, yeah, he opted out of that game. And that doesn't sit well. There's no trust factor there right now with Eric Fisher and this organization, even though it looks he probably will start on Monday night up in Green Bay as we sit here today on on Monday at 8 o'clock at night. He could potentially be that starter uh, next week against the Green Bay Packers. And and I'm just ready to move on from this guy. He's a guy that was a, a bonus baby, got his money, and really doesn't have any desire to play in the National Football League. And you can see that by the way that he's played in the National Football League. They've babied him, they've made excuses for him, and they should. It's their guy, and I appreciate the Chiefs doing that. We'd all love to have bosses and people in our corner like the Chiefs are with Eric Fisher, but eventually it comes down to production, and Eric Fisher is not producing right now. The Chiefs are one-on-one right now, a tough, heartbreaking loss. The Eric Fisher story, we covered about what's been going on lately. What about moving forward, Bob? Monday Night Football against the Packers, obviously a tall order against Aaron Rodgers and a good Green Bay team, especially at home, and a couple of challenging games early in the season, uh, coming up next couple of weeks. How do you see the Chiefs doing in the near future and just down the road in order to try and stay competitive in the division? Well, I think it's going to be a very difficult task for them to go up there to get a victory in Green Bay. And I already know by talking to some fans already this week, there's not a lot of people that are confident that they're going to go up there and get a win. In fact, there's not a lot of people confident they think they can go into Cincinnati and get a win. And I think a lot of Chiefs fans are pondering starting the season one and three before returning home here to Arrowhead Stadium. But as much as I want defense to go out there and win games, the thing for me is offense now. Offense now wins in the NFL. You have to be able to throw the football around the yard. And as dominating as this Chiefs defense is, they have to find a way to put up some points. You've got to get the ball in the hands of Jamal Charles. But really it all starts on that offensive line. And I thought they were pretty good against the Houston Texans. They were not that good against the Denver Broncos. They have to get better. If they don't get better, if they don't produce, if they don't perform, this offense is not going to be able to have success and everybody else will be cursing at Alex Smith and saying he's no good when it clearly goes back to the offensive line not getting their job done. But this defense is good enough to win a Super Bowl just with a competent offense right now. Joined by Bob Fesco from 610 Sports Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at Bob Fesco. Uh, Bob, last topic before I let you go. The Chiefs 
have been taking a lot of criticism off the field with the parking issue at Arrowhead. I know you mentioned on your show, you guys read a text from a listener that he missed the entire first quarter. I mentioned my story uh, on the show, and we've talked about this uh, b- before we uh, begin uh, uh, rec- uh, recording, recording this interview. This is kind of a, a disappointing thing to see from the Chiefs because they've got a gigantic parking lot, uh, probably bigger than uh, most of the sports teams out there. I know they share with the Royals, but it's still a huge complex. What's your take on how things are being handled and, and the fact that this is such a disaster? Well, it's a, it's a colossal failure right now, and it was a colossal failure last year. See, what happens is, is you bring in people you know, into these new jobs, and they want to make a mark, and they want to make an impact, so they're going to try to do things the way that they feel is best. And you know, somebody decided that this parking situation was the right way to do things, and, and it clearly isn't. I mean, they use like some 60,000 cones. It takes three days to set up this operation, and it sucks. I mean, people are getting to the toll gate and waiting another hour to get in to park their cars, and, you know, there's nobody really talking about a good experience that they had in either arriving or leaving that stadium. And now the Chiefs got this survey out that they're asking their season ticket holders about, you know, what do you think about this or what do you think about that with the parking, trying to gain some favorable response because they know a lot of the season ticket holders will say, oh, it was great because, you know, that they're season ticket holders. They're their, their premier audience. And I can't find anybody who thinks that that parking situation was great. That parking situation was like like inmates running the asylum. I mean, at one point, guys are just waving the flag, saying they don't care, parking people anywhere, taking 20s to let cars park in certain lots. I mean, it was a bad deal out there at Arrowhead Stadium on Thursday night, and the, and the Chiefs need to do a much better job of figuring it out because when you arrive and you have to sit in gridlock inside the stadium parking lot and you can't find a spot to park for hours on end, that ruins the game day experience. Just from people who I know with the Kansas City Royals, they told me there's a chance, right when the Chiefs schedule came out, they told me this, there's a chance that there could be a Royals postseason game and a Chiefs regular season game happening around the same time, which makes the parking situation ten times worse. Do you know anything about that? Well, I'm I'm trying to think of the the home schedule right now for the Chiefs, and there's one on the 11th, I believe, of October. There's also also one on the 25th for the Chiefs. uh, Of October? Yes. I mean, I don't know. They're going to have to schedule the baseball game a little bit later in the evening, I guess, because there's no way you could hold two events at the same time. Yeah. You know, at at that stadium, so they're going to have to probably change the time of that baseball game or make sure that baseball game is later in the day to accommodate that thing, because the NFL is not going to move their game. Who gets most of the criticism right now, Andy Reid or the parking and traffic director at Arrowhead Stadium? Oh, I think ultimately it comes down to the coach, because if you win that game, nobody cares about the parking, you know. <laughs> and I think losing <laughs> that football game has everything very much magnified, but the parking director better figure it out as well because, I mean, as bad as Andy Reid was calling plays, that guy wasn't directly traffic the other day. Hopefully they figure it out, Bob, because ever since Andy Reid got here, so much people have been interested in the Chiefs all of a sudden, and uh, obviously the team's playing much better. Hopefully they improve this year because then then there's going to be more interest and more fans at the games, but they've got to figure out the kinks and um, make some changes there. Hopefully they can do that because... Uh, This could be a good season to watch, and hopefully the fans can have a good experience going to the games and also leaving as well. Bob Fesco from 610 Sports Radio. Listen to him weekdays in the morning, 6 to 10 a.m. on Fesco in the morning. And also, anytime the Chiefs play on Sundays, Bob will be on for a sixth time in the week for his Chiefs pregame show two hours before every Chiefs game. Bob, appreciate you coming on. Thanks for being with us, and hopefully we can talk to you down the road. Coming up next, we will preview the Chiefs and Packers game. Monday Night Football, Lambeau Field. That's next here on the Chiefs Zone. 
Thanks to Bob Fesco from 610 Sports Radio joining us here on the Chief Zone to talk about the one-on-one start to the season and then the parking situation and also looking ahead to Kansas City's uh, remainder of, of the schedule. Just just a lot to talk about uh, after two games. And you know, look, a lot, a lot of people say it's just two games, but that week two game, that might determine whether or not the Chiefs uh, make the playoffs or miss it or, or end up with a wild card. I know a lot of people just said not to worry about that Titans loss last year because it was just one game. But looking at the fact that Chiefs were 9-7, and seven, I can't help but wonder what if the Chiefs just played consistently because the Titans only won one other game. The rest, they, got, they had the number two overall pick. Keep that in mind. So that was only one of two wins for the Titans last year. And if the Chiefs go out there and do better... In that football game, especially to start off, and I, I hate to be a broken record, but especially with Andy Reid's play calling, maybe Kansas City wins that game to start off the season. So, look, I, I don't know. We can't dwell on that too much. But my point is, and I, you can make a case for the Raiders game as well, in which the Chiefs allowed the Raiders to pick up their first win of the season in 2014. But my, my point is, even though it's just one game, those games make a difference. There are not a lot of football games in football. In college, you, you have 12 games. In the NFL, you've got 16. So at that point, what do you have left? Not much. Uh, you know, We're already one-eighth through the season. And I know it's so quick. Uh, five months is a long season still. But when you look at how many games these teams play, it's not a lot. One, one game is... In the NFL, feels like five or six games in Major League Baseball. Two-game losing streak in in football feels like you haven't won a baseball game in, in, in 10 days. I mean, that's the difference with football. And I think that's what's so unique is you've got to be really consistent. Otherwise, you fall behind the, in the train. And next thing you know, Denver's going full steam ahead. And it's going to be hard to catch up. Uh, look, Kansas City's got to win the division here. Uh, I, I know people appreciate a wild card. And look, I, I heard, I've heard i heard this discussion so much, especially because of the Royals and the success they had last year. Home field advantage doesn't mean much in baseball. It really doesn't. Sure, you, you know, you get pumped up before the first pitch and all, but does it really matter? I mean, is Johnny Cueto or uh, Jordano Ventura, do they pitch better because of the crowd? Does Eric Hosmer or... Alex Gordon, do those guys swing better with the crowd? No. But if you get into it in a football game, it gets to Peyton Manning's head. It gets to Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers. Those guys go on the road at a hostile place. It's not easy. I was watching Buffalo and New England on Sunday when they tried to break Arrowhead's record, which, nice try, by the way. I don't know if you're going to be able to do that because Buffalo hasn't been uh, Buffalo hasn't necessarily been known as a huge football city I mean I look I don't live in Buffalo I wouldn't know but I I don't recall Bills fans being known as some of the best in the NFL Uh, I get they hate the Patriots and so does Rex Ryan but still at one point the Bills fans were into it and Tom Brady had to call a timeout because he couldn't communicate with the coaches and his teammates on offense so for me the Chiefs have to get 
a home playoff game. Now, sure, you can do that with the number five wild card spot, but that's extremely rare these days. You've got to go out there and win the division. And I think Denver is going to fall because you can't rely on winning with your defense. Sure, defense wins championships, but they don't consistently win you games. And I think people have the defense wins championship. I think people have that really misconstrued because the point of that quote is you have to have balance on both sides of, of the field or both sides of the court, you know, depending on the sport. You've got to have a good defense, of course, but Denver's not going to get through with Manning struggling and having the defense pick up the team every single game. Look, the Chiefs have a great defense, but the defense doesn't win the Chiefs every single game. We saw it last year with the imbalance. I've said this a, a few times. The Chiefs have got to be able to do that. And like I said, Denver's going to fall. Just watch. They're going to have a, a losing streak at some point. That's going to open the door for the Chiefs or, or, or the Chargers, who knows, to break through it and win the division. Have someone else win it for the first time in a long time. So, Kansas City's got to do something to bounce back in the AFC West. Let's move on to the Chiefs and Packers. Monday Night Football in Green Bay. Look, I said it before, it's going to be a tall order, but the Chiefs have the ability to come away with a win here. I think they can survive. I'll get to my official pick and prediction later, but... Aaron Rodgers, uh, last uh, last time he threw a pick was December 2nd, 2012 against the Vikings. Since then, he's on 545 consecutive throws without a pick. That is hard to do. And that's at home, by the way. That is at home, at, at just in, in Green Bay. But still, that, I mean, that's incredible. Uh, for, for a guy to be able to do that, it, it's, it's not easy to do. And the last time the Packers lost at home was November 4th, 2013. They went 8-0 in 2014 at home so we know that this is a game and it kind of reminds you of the Chiefs during the Dick Dick Vermeule era where they just consistently won games at home and it was it was almost a guarantee that the Chiefs would win if you were a guy in Vegas wanting to bet on the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium you'd be foolish to pick against uh, the opposing team the visiting team because the Chiefs were just so great at Arrowhead Stadium I know it's not the same as it was before but that's kind of how Green Bay looks right now so they really need to go after Aaron Rodgers. And, hey, Kansas City has those pass rushers. Keep in mind, the Chiefs did that with Allen Bailey when he was a rookie. And now Allen Bailey is just a grown man. I mean, he really is a big boy now. And he's played incredibly great uh, this season. Uh, this is somebody who the Chiefs are going to want to use. Allen Bailey, uh, Justin Houston, and Tom Bahali, uh, that's when they started Working well together. I was also Houston's rookie season. Uh, my point in bringing them up is in 2011, uh, when the Chiefs faced the Packers at Arrowhead Stadium, when the Packers were 13-0, Kansas City's pass rush was a huge reason why the Chiefs came away with the win. The Chiefs scored only one touchdown in that game, struggled a lot in the red zone, and they moved the ball so well. And look, this Packers defense isn't very good either. They're the second worst in stopping the run, which... Spells a great game for Jamal Charles. So if you go out there defensively, get to Aaron Rodgers, and I have confidence that this team is going to, this defense is going to do that because whether it's at home or on the road, this defense has consistently played great. And, and look, I said the stat before uh, on the last episode of the Chiefs Zone uh, for 20 straight games, the Chiefs did not allow uh, a team to score more than 31 or, or 30 or more points, and the Broncos did have 31, but. Look, that offense was really the, the the one that allowed the Broncos to eclipse the 30-plus point mark. So 
For the Chiefs, this defense has not really done anything to lose a game. I, I, I can't think of a time uh, since the beginning of 2014 where the you look at the defense and you say, wow, this defense is the reason why the, the Chiefs lost. So I've got confidence that Justin Houston and Tom Bahali, Dantari Poe, who hasn't had a sack yet, but he's still gotten after the quarterback. He's beaten interior linemen and has chased the quarterback. And he's the reason why Tom Bahali and Justin Houston end up getting free and, and get around in the pocket because he draws a double team. That allows one of them to, at, at the very worst, have one-on-one battles with offensive tackles or tight ends. And at that point, Justin Houston and Tom Bahali generally win that battle. Spoiler alert, they usually win. So I think the Chiefs are going to be able to put pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Now, I'm, I'm going to go with the prediction that Rodgers will throw an interception against this Chiefs defense. I, I I just think this is where it comes down to an end. And look, Monday Night Football, the crazy things happen. So uh, all good things come to an end. I think it's going to happen on Monday Night Football to where Rodgers will throw a pick. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be Marcus Peters or, or Jamal Fleming, but I'm going to go with Eric Berry. I think it's going to be a spe- Like I said, Monday Night Football is when all the crazy stuff and good stuff happens. Uh, and I know it's not going to be good for Green Bay, but just just crazy things happen on primetime. All right? We saw what happened to the Raiders. It wasn't good for the Chiefs, but we saw the Raiders go out there and uh, get their first win against the Chiefs on Thursday night football. So I think Eric Berry comes back in this game stronger. He's he's rated the second best safety on Pro Football Focus, which which that's something we've got to know right there. He doesn't have a pick yet, but his coverage has been really incredible this this year so far through two games, especially against Peyton Manning. I know Peyton Manning's not doing very hot either this year, but it still counts for something for Eric Berry coming back after playing only six games last year due to injuries and his health, of course. But I think it's Eric Berry who's going to come away with that pick. And by the way, Eric Berry was not with the Chiefs when the Chiefs did defeat the Bronco, or pardon me, the Packers to shock them and hand them their first loss. So this is going to be an exciting moment for Berry. This is his first time uh, going up against Aaron Rodgers. I, 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 I just realized that too. So this is going to be an interesting game for Eric Berry as well. Uh, he's faced Phillip Rivers and Peyton Manning consistently twice per se- per year. And now he's going to be facing a, a bit of a different animal. Uh, he's gone up against other elite quarterbacks like Tom Brady. Uh, but this is this is a, a chance for him to really shine against another elite quarterback to prove why he's been one of the best safeties in the league since he got drafted out of Tennessee in 2010. And keep in mind, this is also a contract year for Eric Berry, too. So the fact that he's playing so well after playing only six games last year, missing 10 last season... Uh, I think this speaks volumes uh, for for Eric Berry and that the Chiefs have got to lock him up long term. Uh, that way he can be with the team until his mid thirties because you need great football players like this on your team. You already have Justin Houston locked up to a long term deal, so lock up Eric Berry to a big contract because you're going to want him and Justin Houston and Marcus Peters, these guys, to work together for the next five six years because this is what's going to help the Chiefs remain a top defensive team for years to come. But that's a different topic. Point being, right now, I think Eric Berry, he's going to have another good game against Aaron Rodgers. I say he gets that pick uh, to end the streak at home for Rodgers. Now, offensively, I did allude to the fact that the Packers are second to last in the NFL in stopping the run. Uh, So that means Jamal Charles has to go out there and have another good game. He played really well uh, against the... Broncos uh, having his first 100-plus rushing yards 
in a game this year, uh, of course, you've got to nullify the turnovers. Uh, that's the thing with the offense. You've got to take care of the football. Now, the Chiefs, I don't know how confident I am airing the football out. Look, I know you paid Jeremy Macklin $55 million. You're paying Alex Smith $68 million, so you want to air the ball out a bit. But still, play to your strengths. I, I think that's what the Chiefs have to do, especially when you consider that the Packers have uh, given up an average of 154 rushing yards per game uh, through two games. Uh, Matt Forte went out there, just bulldozed uh, the Packers, going for almost 150 yards, and a t- he got a touchdown in that game. Uh, so the, the Packers haven't really played very well uh, against the run. Marshawn Lynch also went in there, uh, did some damage against the, the, the Packers, and he was really the only bright spot for the Seahawks in that game on Sunday Night Football. So this is a game where uh, it's for Jamal Charles. It's his chance to have a field lane. And Jamal Charles clearly uh, a much better running back than Matt Forte and Marshawn Lynch. So if you think about just how well he could do, or if you think about how well Forte and Lynch did, think about how well Charles could do. I think he at least uh, gets gets 100 yards, maybe even 150 yards, uh, I think he hits close to the 150-yard mark. It's going to be one of those games where he breaks for, you know, 60, 70, or 80 yards for a touchdown play and uh, really tries to help the Chiefs stay in this football game. So I think running the football, I know Andy Reid loves to pass, but you have to run first in this game. In this game, you, You've got to make that your primary source of production offensively because that is how you beat the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay's not really good against the run. Against the pass, not horrible, but still, it's uh, it's one of those things where you're still not confident with your passing game. And I don't think this is a, this is the game where you get cute and try to experiment your passing game on the road in Green Bay when you don't really know if 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 you can succeed in that area. So I say go with the running game uh, and let let Niall Davis look. He had the what was at one point the game winning touchdown against the Broncos. So let Niall Davis get in there. I know DeAnthony Thomas's primary duties are as a wide receiver, but heck, let, let him go out there. And I know Andy Reid loves to get cute and do trick plays, so I think even Jeremy Macklin, if you do it right, which the Chiefs didn't do in trying to execute with those trick plays on Thursday Night Football, but if you can find a way to get through, you're going to be able to beat this team with maybe one play trying to hand it to Jeremy Macklin and let him get some rushing yards. It's doable against this rush defense, which you you, you make them think it's going to Jamal Charles. Next thing you know, Jeremy Macklin has the football, and it's going to be too late to twist and adjust to Jeremy Macklin's direction to where he's running, and he's going to pick up a first down, possibly even more, to get you closer to the end zone. So I think that rushing attack has got to be key. And then the last thing for me is... Of course, the turnovers, you've got to limit them. I said that already, but the the last thing for me is coaching. Get the right play calls. And that goes to my last point with running the football. Make that your primary duty here. Run the football. Obviously, you're going to pass in this game, but don't go pass heavy. Go run heavy. The numbers are there, especially against good running backs. So if this is a chance for the Chiefs to really strike and pull off an upset, this is the place to do it. Hey, look, I know a lot of people are going the other direction. Earlier this week, I wasn't feeling it, but just looking at the the running game, I think Kansas City has all the reasons to win this football game and pull off an upset. 
Uh, again, like I said, I, I know a lot of the people, especially the national media, going the other direction, but I can't help but think that the Chiefs are going to go out there and win this football game. It's going to be due to Andy Reid, though. And I know Andy Reid's been a liability with his play calling, which is, is hard to say because, like I said earlier, Andy Reid has done such a great job turning this franchise around, but you've got to do well with that play calling right there. And I don't know what the, what the solution is, but as of now, it is Reid's duty. He's the play caller. And if he can go out there and call more running plays than passing plays in this game, I'm going to feel... If someone told me right now, if someone had a... Uh, if a, if a, Someone who could look into the future told me right now that Andy Reid's going to run the ball more than he passes. I'm going to feel pretty good about this football game. I'm going to Vegas, and I'm going to put some money. Uh, not too much. I'm not a huge sports gambler, but I'm going to go ahead and put some money on the Chiefs because I feel pretty good about their chances winning this football game if they continue to run the football throughout the game. That's got to happen against a really weak defense. This is the confusing thing with Andy Reid. And again, I know Tom Coughlin, if he came away with that touchdown pass, Eli Manning, of course, uh, making that play, Tom Coughlin calling it in the coaching staff on on the first Sunday night football game, people won't criticize Tom Coughlin and the Giants. If the Chiefs somehow succeed on those trick plays against the Broncos. No, we're not talking about Andy Reid. We're going to talk about the fact that the Chiefs finally beat the Broncos, but those aren't the storylines. If Andy Reid comes away with these trick plays, which, again, I love creativity and trick plays, but I think there's a point where you've got to limit yourself, especially if they're not working so far. Hopefully he's not negligent. Hopefully he's not going to hold back and work to your strengths and play to, to what the other team is weak with. I'm going to go with the Chiefs in this one. I'm, I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to say 27-17 Kansas City, a, a two-possession double-digit win for the Chiefs. I think it's certainly doable with uh, what the Chiefs have going for them, especially defensively. I think uh, the Chiefs are going to continue that trend, that history, that pattern. No losses in Green Bay. We'll see what happens. Appreciate you guys listening to the Chiefs Zone. Please make sure you Download from iTunes and subscribe to it. And uh, stay tuned. Every time there is a new episode, you will have it on your iTunes account. Farzim Vasugin here with you. Once again, a big thank you to Bob Fesco from 610 Sports Radio for joining us here on the Chiefs Zone. When we come back, we will recap the game between the Chiefs and the Packers on Monday Night Football. Should be fun to watch. It's Monday night. Enjoy it. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> 